I want to read two verses of Scripture tonight. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Let your conversation, and you know that word conversation in the New Testament doesn't just deal with talk. It has to do with our lifestyle. Let your conversation, your lifestyle, be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Notice again verse 5, the last phrase, for he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Sometimes we hear statements that we feel like we need to hear again. I've reached a point in life where I find that I'm constantly saying to people, pardon me, would you repeat that? It's not always because I wanted to know exactly what they said, but I'm afraid that something was said that uh, that I didn't hear clearly. Uh, my, my left ear does not work right anymore. And uh, I usually lean to the right. My... Uh, my doctor thinks my doctor thinks that it's because I I'm hollering. He's a Methodist, so he says it's because I'm hollering at Baptists so often. Uh, but uh, my grandfather had a terrible hearing problem. My dad, uh, my mother says that he hears what he wants to hear, but he he really has a hard time hearing, and it looks like I'm headed down that road. But there are some things that are worth repeating. And for a few minutes tonight, I want to preach on this promise that is definitely worth repeating. I say that because this is not the first time this promise occurs in the Scriptures. Uh, When the Lord was uh, dealing with Jacob, Back in Genesis 28, he said to Jacob, I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. And then again in Moses' life, late in life, Moses used this phrase, that the Lord would not leave us nor forsake us. The Lord gave Joshua that same assurance. There's a couple other statements in the Old Testament that some of the authors, some of the Bible students, believe that are offshoots of this statement. It may have been repeated five times in the Old Testament. And here we have it repeated once again. This is the New Testament version. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. This is one of those rare statements that reads as well backwards as it does forwards. Have you ever looked at that, reread this backwards? Thee forsake, nor thee leave, 
Never will I. Now that may not be the way we would say it, but it's the same emphasis. The Lord has promised us that He would never leave us. The songwriter said He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. I'd like to repeat this promise several times tonight. Deal with the phrases in verse 5 and 6. And I want to give you several reasons why this promise is worth repeating. Let's begin with the statement at the outstart of verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. This promise is worth repeating, firstly, because it is a promise that comes with, with contentment. There, there's no lack, there's no deficiency in this statement. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Therefore, we don't have to be covetous. Uh, we, we can be content with such things as we have. For in reality, when we have His presence, we have everything. He is enough. Now, in the context, He has just talked about the honor of marriage and the dishonor, the dishonor of adultery. And in that light, we're told to be content with such things as we have and not to be filled with covetousness. You know this. You can't enjoy your mate if there are all kinds of ideas about other people. When we're married, we're saying, I'm forsaking all others for you. And here, we're, we're reminded that we do not have to have any interest in anything else in this world because the Lord has joined Himself to us. We can be content, for He has promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I've been thinking a lot about old age. Maybe it's because of my dad and mom's condition. Uh, they both, at their best, at their best, uh, they sit, one on the couch and one in the chair. And uh, I tell you, all these things that people have said about old age being so wonderful, I can see that it's not all so wonderful. Uh, I don't know when you're supposed to say you're growing old. I'd rather put that off as long as I can. But uh, I tell you, there comes a time when you can't do and you can't go. Uh, my dad said the other day, he said, Bud, if you'll find my car keys, I'll go to town and you won't have to go to town for me. He despises Somebody having to do something for them. Of course, we can't find the car keys on purpose. We, we don't want to put everybody out there in jeopardy. But uh, I, I say that he doesn't enjoy just having to stay there all the time. 
And uh, I've heard people say, well, if I couldn't go to church, boy, I don't know what I'd do. Well, the day may come when you can't go to church. Or somebody said, boy, if I can't work, I don't feel like I'm worth anything. Well, the day may come when you can't work. But we can be content because He has promised us, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So here is a promise worth repeating because it comes with contentment. Contentment. Notice furthermore, it's a promise worth repeating because it comes with comfort. Let's take just a moment that phrase. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Here is a a truth that is filled with consolation and hope. Now, you can't believe what everybody else says, can you? I've had some friendships in life that are no longer friendships. You have had associations in life that are no longer around. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I want you to know, whatever happens, I'm going to be your friend. Well, that sounds good, and we hope that's true. But I tell you, a lot of things can happen in life uh, to cause friendships to dissolve and people to move on beyond you or me. But the Lord Jesus said, you don't have to worry about this relationship being dissolved. You don't have to worry about my departing. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What comfort? What comfort? Now, I don't know, I do not know loneliness as some of you know loneliness. But uh, the older I get, the less I enjoy traveling because I, I don't like to be away from my family. I don't like to be away from my loved ones. Uh, I like to be at home all, this, all uh, as much as possible. Uh, because I, I've been in those, in those places where I felt so lonely and so isolated and so shut off. Uh, some of you who have lost a mate, you know that isolated feeling, that lonely sensation within. My wife and I were eating at a cafeteria uh, in South Carolina some time ago. We were standing in line. You know how some of those cafeterias are. The people hurry up to get there at opening time and you end up in line. And uh, we were in the line waiting. And every now and then I would hear this, this voice. It sounded like a, a, a man just, just wailing and crying. And I kept looking and I kept trying to see him. I couldn't see him. We got inside the restaurant, and again, I heard that that wailing sound, just weeping uncontrollably. And I happened to catch a glimpse of the dear gentleman who who was crying. He, he just couldn't control it. It just happened. He went on through his line, and I watched where he sat, and purposefully, I said to my wife, let's go over and sit over there where that man sat. And while he was eating at the table, every now and then he'd just break out and just, just weep and, 
and sorrow and mourn. And I went over to him and I sort of put my arm on his shoulder and I said to him, I, I'm a preacher and if there's anything I can help you with, I wish you'd feel free to tell me. And he, he looked up at me and he said, preacher, he said, I lost my wife a few months ago. And he said, today's the first day that I've got courage enough to come back to this restaurant where we used to eat together a lot. And he said, I never thought it would happen. I didn't mean to embarrass myself in front of everybody, but he said, I'm just so lonely, preacher. I, I just miss her so much. Well, I may not know the intensity of loneliness as he knows, or as some of you know it, but blessed be God, we have a promise that comes with comfort. Jesus said, I am not going to leave you in some isolated situation where you can't sense my presence and where I, I'm not going to be able to get to you. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hallelujah. He abides. He abides with me. Then there's a third truth I'd like to underline. That is, this promise comes with claims. Did you notice he didn't just say, I will never leave and I will never forsake. But he said, I will never leave thee and I will never forsake thee. This is a strong statement. In fact, it literally, can I give you a little emphasis here? He, he said, I will never leave thee. The idea is, I will never give you up. I will never let you go. And I will never forsake you. I will never relax my hold on you. It's as though that he has his hands on us. And he said, I'm not about to let you go. I'm not about to leave you. I'm not about to abandon you. I claim you as my own. I own you as my property. And I am not going to relax my hold on thee. Oh, I love that. He claims me. He claims you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I've, I may have told this story here in years gone by. Somebody asked me recently, preacher, how many times I'd been here. I said enough that they could get rid of me and not feel bad about it. But uh, I have been here on many occasions and my all my illustrations primarily come from my family life. I enjoy talking about my family People are funny, though. You know it. And some of them, they're just right blunt, you know, right? They can be a little ugly with what they say. This one fellow came up to me and said to me, he said, are all your illustrations about your family? I said, well, brother, now I wouldn't have ever said this in years gone by, but I'm getting a little age on me now. And I said to him, now, brother, I didn't marry your wife. And we didn't have your children. All I can talk about is my wife and my children. So if y'all forgive me, let me 
Let me give a little family illustration. This dear lady in our area was dying with cancer. And she had heard me say something about uh, coming from a family that loved flowers. And so she called us up. She's, she's a terminal patient at home with hospice. And she has them call and she talks to us over the phone. And she said, Brother Tom, she said, I don't know if anybody else appreciates them or not, but she said, my yard is just filled with the Savior. And she said, they, they say I may die here in a few weeks. And she said, you know, I don't have any children. And, and uh, my husband has already passed away. And she said, I'd love for you and your wife to come down here and get some of these azaleas. I said, well, sister, I hate to get you fly. No, she said, I want you to have them. I want somebody to have them that would enjoy them. And, and we have, they need prunes, but we have them there in our yard and have for several years. But uh, I, our daughter, I went and borrowed my daddy's rototiller. I, I don't. I don't plant a garden anymore. I just go around looking pitiful during the summer, asking everybody, How, how's your beans? Is your squash in? But uh, I, I went and borrowed my daddy's rototiller, and my my land's rocky, very very rocky. And I bounced bounced around for a little while and, and got me a, a little row to put some of them in. My wife came down to help me. She put the baby in a uh, little area of grass with some toys and thought she'd play, but she wanted to come down there with us. And she cried and cried until my wife went and got a box, put her in the box with her toys, put her right there where we were working. And so help me. we I turned around and there she was, not playing with the toys in the box, but she had reached out of the box and picked up one of those roots that I had not thrown far enough. And she had taken that root and put it down her mouth. And she was like chewing on it, choking on it actually. And I lunged for her and took that stick away from her and pulled it out and threw it down the woods. And she looked at me and said, Mine! And I tell you, I never dreamed I'd get an illustration out of that. But I told her, I said, I don't care whose it is, you're going to choke to death, and you're not getting it. And I got to thinking about the Lord claiming a dirty old life like mine, a dirty old life like yours, and the devil at times trying to, to get us and trying to destroy us. And the Lord saying about the likes of you and me, mine. He claims us. He claims us. And He said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You remember when the disciples took their claims off of Jesus and went back to fishing? They fished all night, you remember, and caught no fishes. And when they came in the next morning, Jesus was fixing a breakfast for them. And uh, said to them, come and dine. But before he said that, you remember his first word? After they'd not claimed him for the night and gone back to the fishing industry, Jesus' first word was, Children! Children! Have you any meat? They had taken their claims off of him. But he didn't take that, his claims off of them.
He said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. It's a promise worth repeating because it comes with a measure of contentment. He's all we need. It comes with comfort, just thinking that He would give us this great consoling promise. He'll never leave us. And it comes with claims. He will never give us up. He will never let us go. He'll never relax His hold on us. There's a fourth truth. You'll notice that little phrase in verse 6 says, So, let's, let's look at that phrase one more time before I get to that last emphasis. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm not a Greek scholar, much of a Greek student. But I know the Greek language is much more complicated than our English language. Our English language, we can use one word and say four or five things. But in the Greek language, there's all these many different words and all these many different tenses. And in this phrase, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, I'm told that there are actually five negatives in this statement. We might read it then like this. I will never... No, never leave thee, nor forsake thee, nor never forsake thee. No, never. There's a five, a structured emphasis there. I will never, never leave thee, never, never forsake thee. No, never. Uh, what a statement. What intensity. I would say, fourthly then, this promise comes with compulsion. The Lord not only plans on abiding with us, but He gives this five-fold emphasis. I will never, never leave thee. I will never, never forsake thee. No, never. Oh, brother, I say this is a promise worth repeating. It has compulsion in it. He's so intense about us. He, he is so determined to claim us and, and love us as His own that He shares this intensity in the statement. And then lastly, in verse 6, it's not only a promise with uh, contentment and a promise with comfort and claims and a promise with compulsion, but it's a promise that comes with courage, or if you prefer confidence. For in verse 6 he adds, So that we may boldly say, or courageously say, that we may say with courage, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Because of a relationship with Jesus, we don't have to worry about what others think and how others operate. We know the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Husbands may forsake. Wives may forsake. Parents may forsake. Children may forsake. And loved ones may forsake and not help you when you need help. 
But you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He's my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. This is a promise worth repeating. Uh, my dad, forgive me for talking about my dad, but it just tires me up seeing him in the shape he's in. He spent almost 15 weeks in VA hospital last year, and we thought that he would never come home. And somehow, uh, it, it, he turned around enough that they did release him, and and I'm not so sure that he yet till yet that he should be at home, but. Uh, he got in such a state of mind, though, the last several years before he ended up in the hospital. He was so negative about everything. Now, you know, as a boy coming up, I never remember my dad to be ugly. I mean, there are times when he was ornery, but good night. All of us have our our bad days, our bad hair day. Uh, but... Uh, I'd never, I'd never seen him like he was a few years ago. He was just awful and rude, and he'd say some of the most terrible statements. And I told him on one occasion, I said, Daddy, you don't sound like you ever went to church at all, the way you're talking. That's awful. Don't say those things. And on one occasion, I, he was just so stubborn and so obstinate, just really the opposite of what he'd always been. He'd, Taught a Sunday school class, supported the pastor, and loved the church, and and then all of a sudden he hated the pastor. He quit going to the church and and just said some of the most awful things, terrible things, reverted to terrible language. And I, I thought on several occasions as I tried to pray, Lord, please don't let my mama have to put up with this in her last days. I know that that none of us know what will happen before we check out of here. But Lord, if it please you somehow, and I'm not saying that the Lord just answered my prayer, but to make a long story short, when he came back from the VA hospital, something had happened. Either he had had a, a light stroke or something. And he has sort of reverted back to his old self. He's very weak and helpless. But the thing I love is he doesn't repeat. I just worried that he would freeze in that old negative attitude. And we'd have to hear all that junk repeated over and over and over and over. And since he's been home, he does repeat himself often. But he's so softened and so had a turnaround. You know what he repeats? He says this, if I go down to see him, at 10 in the morning, he says this. Or if I come back at 1. Or if I go by at 5 on my way out to a meeting. Or whenever I'm there. He doesn't remember saying it. But it's coming right, right out of him. He repeats it over and over and over and over. Uh, tears will well up in his eyes. And he'll say, Bud, he said, the Lord has been so good to me. Oh, I just tell you, this so helps me to hear him repeat something that's nice and sweet and instead of some old off-the-wall thing. I'm going to tell you, brother, here's a promise that's worth repeating over and over and over and over. When you feel like that you've got a little attitude in your heart that's wanting that that's unnecessary. Remember, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee.
When you get the feeling like that nobody cares for you, don't forget, He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When everybody else takes their claims off of you, remember, He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And He has said it with intensity. I will never, no, never leave thee. I will never, no, never forsake thee. No, never. In no wise, on any, uh, by no means. He said, I'll never leave thee. How wonderful that we can face tomorrow with courage and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. May the Holy Spirit take this precious promise of God and wrap it around our heart. May we walk out of here tonight clinging to this truth. You're standing with me, please. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed.